I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GCE became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, we are headed to the planet Durla, a place where no one has ever gone before. Legion of Superheroes number 301. Different Paths, Different Dooms. Published July 1983. Written by Keith Giffen and Paul Levitz with art by Keith Giffen. Synopsis. A quest for a lost superpower goes awry, while a visitor from the past unnerves Brainiac 5. We are looking at Legion of Superheroes number 301 this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, R.J. Brand and his son Camp, because, you know, it's been revealed that R.J. is really a Durlin stuck into his human form, mm-hmm. and he fathered and abandoned his child, Cam, who eventually went on to become a member of the Legion of Superheroes, and he subsequently has lost his powers to transform. So they're going back to the planet Durla to mm-hmm. see if they can find some way of recharging his uh, Durlin batteries. <laughs> I don't know if you'd call them Durlin batteries, but they never actually do explain. The only thing that we have is uh, RJ talks about how radiation mm-hmm. can mess with the Durlin shape-shifting powers, and Chameleon Boy did have a run-in with Olvir, uh, a young Daxamite, uh, during the battle on Takron Galtos, six or seven issues, like 294, at the yeah, beginning of like the yeah. yeah, at the beginning of the Great Darkness saga. It is really weird because that theory seems to contradict itself, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, the issue opens up with the planet Durla, uh, Durla. tragedy, six-minute war, where nuclear bombs were unleashed all over the place, right? And I'm wondering, first of all, if the six minute war is a reference to the six day war. Um, um, almost certainly. Okay. I mean, I would say absolutely. Uh, because keep in mind, this is Paul Levitz. Right. You know. Yeah. So that was the first thing that struck me. And then it's like, okay, so um, they nuke themselves. They, they were irradiated. And it's the radiation right. that caused their bodies to force into mutation. Right. Yet at the same time, the radiation is blocking their ability to do mutations. So that's that seems a little contradictory in it. It's like, okay, so let's say you, 
Stephen, are exposed to radiation. Yes, and, I'm exposed to radiation you know, every day. In fact, right now, as we speak, I'm being exposed to radiation. Okay, so let's say you're exposed to enough irradiated uh, material that your body starts malfunctioning. Yes, let's it's say cancer. that you you have a tumor. Yeah, what do they use to treat? No, right? Tumor? It's, isn't it weird that you got to yeah. treat it with the, with even more stronger? Uh, uh, That's right. Chemotherapy. It's it's, it's like chameleon therapy. Chemotherapy. Oh, yeah. it's uh, another reference. But speaking of therapy, yes. I got to tell you, men, (laughs) men who are listening, it is okay to admit that you have feelings. It is okay to say that you're not okay. It is okay for men to go to therapy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) There are so many daddy issues uh, throughout this issue that Cam has not come to grips with. And at least RJ is like, yeah, I'm a son of a bitch and I abandoned you and I'm horrible, but I'm trying to make up for it. And Cam is like, well, it's a good thing that I'm self-aware. And then also in the very next <laughs> panel, just right back into his daddy issues again. Like, uh, it's like trying to tell somebody, hey, you know, you've got an issue that you need to deal with. And that person is la, 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 la. I'm not listening the entire time. He's he's smart and he is self-aware, but he's also young. And I really do like the interplay between, you know, uh, in this case, the father and son. Uh, RJ's, I don't know if they revealed it yet, but RJ's name was Ren Daggle. Mm-hmm. And of course, Cam's is Reap, Reap Daggle. Yeah. <clears throat> so throughout this, you got that Ren Reap back and forth. But you have kind of a, a maturity with, because uh, Brand doesn't give a damn. Brand is just yeah, he's an rich. old. He just wants to be an old yeah, rich man. He's an old, rich, crotchety guy. And he, you know, at one point he's sitting there and he's literally just kind of pouting. And Cam is like, well, you know, you you could have told me who you were. He's like, all right, all right, all right. But I really do like their interaction because, of course, when we get to the point where they're on Derla, they are sentenced to death. Yeah, so there's some weird things going on in there. First of all, (laughs) how did Cam get off Derla in order to join the Legion of Superheroes if the planet is under quarantine? That's what I'm not sure. Is of. it a and reverse quarantine? Because that's the other thing is it I wasn't clear if this was a reverse quarantine, meaning that they weren't allowing that United Planets was not allowing people from the outside to come to Derla because they make a mention a couple of times where the two patrol guys are sitting there going, yeah, I don't understand why the Derlins don't leave. We've given them plenty of opportunities and we want to. Nobody ever comes to this planet unless they're mm-hmm. research scientists. And so I didn't know if the quarantine was to keep people off. Or to keep people in. Now, I'm sure there are people out there who will correct me on this. Of course, and we love them all. I believe this is the first time we've ever been on Derla. You are correct. And I'm almost certain that this is the first time we've really discussed Chameleon Boy. Because he outright says that he joined the Legion. uh, And I don't remember ever hearing this. To basically show people that prejudice against their people and their weird shape-shifting powers was unfair. Now, yeah. I know we've seen we've seen Cam. Mm-hmm. We've seen Chameleon Chief, who's an evil D-bag. And I want to say we saw does he, does he a... Does grow in size by saying a nutchuck? <laughs> I think we saw a Durland science policeman a couple of issues ago. Maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe. But, yeah. But, uh, and that was 
to my knowledge, I think that was during the uh, and we've seen the whole thing with the Green Lantern. Yeah, and we've seen the Durlins in their natural form before, so there's nothing here that's right. shocking. In fact, we've talked yes, about we've, that before, but we've never been to Durla where every five seconds something is evolving or shape shifting into something yeah. else. We also know that uh, the Durlins tend to be somewhat uh, xenophobic, I guess, as everyone else. Yeah, yeah isolationists, they, yes. And, they and, don't trust anybody. And certainly, I don't know if it is in this issue that then creates the Durlins as a present day menace for. Um, for the DCU because we are mm-hmm. what six years away or so away from invasion uh, five mm-hmm. or six years from six invasion. Seven. Yeah. Invasion would have been 91. This book would have come out in the spring of 83. So yeah. Yeah. And so the Durlins, the uh, dominators and the coons are all, you know, these, mm-hmm. these bad things. And so and I'm wondering Daxamites. if, yeah, yeah. And I was wondering if this is maybe where we start to see the Durlins with their isolationist xenophobic ways and really, uh, leaning into some of their belief systems a little too extreme. And of course uh, I try to be aware of what's going on in the, in the modern world and seeing how that overlays into comics that we're reading mm-hmm. uh, and how that adapts for the times. But there's a certain country right now that has mm-hmm. sentenced like 15,000 people to death because they're not following mm-hmm. the law to the letter of their, of their religious uh, uh, theocracy. Yep. And I, read this issue and I see, you know, first speaker saying you have not followed our ways. We sentence you to death. And I'm just like, Whoa, that's uh, a little prescient. Yeah. And you have to keep in mind that when this came around in, you know, 1983, uh, if we're talking about the same country, they were, yeah, they were, you know, in the news in 79, 80. And there was a, I've never left the news. So, Right. There was a massive big thing about an isolationist culture in 79 and 80 leading up to, you know, the beginning of the Reagan administration. I think that that's a very smart catch. I didn't necessarily think about it, but now that you say it, I really feel like Derla is a hundred percent. Which is really know, weird because, which is really weird. And, and maybe because, you know, we're a thousand years in the future here in the, mm-hmm. here in our present day in the DC universe, we have mm-hmm. Kondok and um, Bialaya as mm-hmm. as those equivalents of those countries today. Uh, and so I find that that, you know, that the Durlins here are kind of representing that uh, in mm-hmm. the future seems to be something that weighs heavy on people's minds uh, throughout time. So and again, uh, it, the thing that I tell my students all the time, study history, because those who yep. don't study history are doomed to repeat it because, you know, yeah. It's going to always repeat. History is always going to repeat itself again and again and again. Time is a flat circle and RJ brand carries brass knuckles around with him wherever he goes. (laughs) Wouldn't you? I mean, I mean the first appearance, first thing we saw of this man was him nearly being murdered and then going, you know what? I'm going to create superheroes. You guys. So you're like, you kind of feel like RJ is the kind of guy who, has plans mm-hmm. or like contingencies. He's not like Batman. I have a plan for everything. He's like, well, in a worst case scenario, I'll strangle you to death with my belt. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I do notice something too. He keeps saying verdampt in this issue. Yeah. Which and is, I'm, uh, I'm sitting here. I'm like, is that German or is that I Yiddish? I don't know. I, I maybe a completely made up word as far as I know. Well, I know that Verdampt or something close to it. They've talked about it, this fever before. 
Right. Verdammt is something in German and is sort of something in Yiddish, which is a, you know, a German sort of uh, a Germanic language. Yeah, it's a Germanic language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are we supposed to think that RJ is speaking Yiddish or are we supposed to think that I start thinking about this. Is RJ supposed to be? I don't know. So for damp translated means damn it. For those of you right. who haven't figured it out. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> he suffered from the damn it fever, right? Right. Uh, the damn it fever. But and that's why he's stuck in the, in this body. I don't know if they're I trying to of, say he's German or that he is, he's Jewish or anything like that. Um, I feel like Levitz may be trying to put that in there because I mean, uh, there's a phrase for it in Yiddish. It's the Alter Kacha, which is, you know, the, the grumpy old man or the mm. old fart, literally. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, you know, Levitz is leaning heavily into that for RJ and using that, you know, that language to try and emphasize to him and to anybody who kind of picks that up that, you know, this is this is the old guy who sits around at the barbershop and yells at Eddie Murphy. Maybe I don't I mean, I don't know. I don't um, I mean, it could be it could just be, hey, here's a. Here's a word that, you know, I know means something and other right. people who know the words will know that it means something. But to everyone else, it sounds like a funny word, right? It sounds right. like an alien word, uh, which would go along with with the damn fever that uh, right. that, they, that they've <laughs> suffered. from. You just like saying that you just like saying I, damn it fever. Well, I mean, uh, German, it's damn it. Uh, Yiddish, I just looked up. It's just it doesn't have just, the just, it. It just has yeah, it's damn. Just damn. Yeah. So that damn fever. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it could be, it, it really could be that, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening and I'll talk about this when we get off planet here in a moment, but I think I want to just kind of go through the whole, uh, cam story here. Sure. Uh, so he and RJ break out of their little uh, prison bubble. They make their way to the temple, which, <laughs> you know, is very been, clearly some sort of scientific enclave. Yes. And also for me, it reminded me very much of the Krell in Forbidden Planet, right? So you come onto this planet and nobody knows this ancient technology has just been running on the planet the entire time. And they go inside and it goes down like hundreds of hundreds of levels. And that's kind of the way that they somewhat portray the temple on Durla. And that there's this beam that Cam then walks into that he gets irradiated with. uh, And so then he gets his powers back. Right. But then, because they've, I guess, not followed the sacred ways of the Durlins, <laughs> right. uh, you have to fight for, fight to the death. Da, 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 Which was the first thing that I thought of, too. I was like, oh, this is very much a Vulcan, you know, fight to the death kind of thing, right? Uh, but yeah, not, not because you're horny, but because uh, you're trying to, to kill somebody. Yeah. Um, and so then the first speaker and Cam have to do a fight to the death, of which... Mm-hmm. Um, on many ways reminds me of the battle between uh, Mad Madam Mim and Merlin in the Disney sword in the stone movie, right? Where they're yeah. constantly shape-shifting and turning and eventually Merlin turns into uh, a cold virus uh, and, right. and takes Mim down. And in um, Sandman, there's that battle of the wits that, that right. uh, Morpheus has with the demon and he's the like, rap battle in hell. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, and so that's kind of what this reminded me of because they're constantly shape shifting. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, according to the Encyclopedia Galactica, uh, you're not you're only supposed to be using the forms on Durla, 
but Cam does right. not do that. He he speaks, which is not supposed to happen, and then he shapeshifts into like a hummingbird and to some other things that yeah. are not allowed, and he eventually he does, wins. He does a full-on homage to Bouncing Boy, too, because he's about to be crushed. He turns to liquid and then bounces away, and yeah. I'm like, yes, all those years working with Chuck have taught him something. Yes, all those years of observing rubber bouncing balls has taught him something. <laughs> you know what? When your colleague is a rubber bouncing ball, I feel like you can say yeah. your colleague. It would have been cooler to me if he had done, you know, more than one member of the Legion, but I still feel like it's interesting. And he turns into a weird little eel monkey, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Also, first speaker turns into an alien chest burster. Yes. Which I yes, thought was kind of spooky and creepy and, and kind full of on uh, HR Giger kind of thing. And I'm yeah. like, wait, what? I was kind of waiting for maybe like one of the, uh, crazy aliens from um the thing you know when like the dog mm-hmm. when they go into a kill the dogs and they're just yeah. those whole swit you know snake whipping things uh yeah, yeah. i was expecting it. well and giffen does really good alieny aliens there's actually there's some stuff that happens off derla where two aliens are having a discussion on like weber's world and talking yeah. about who's who's on and neither of them are even vaguely humanoid right they're these two weird guys. One looks kind of like his head is a can opener and the other one is like a praying mantis man. And it's just this, you know, little bit of background noise story, something that you need in there to keep your continuity going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could have been just two human dudes, but instead it's two really, you know, alien guys. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's Giffen goes to that level more than previous artists have. Well, and we've seen that more since Levitz took over, right? We've seen that more yeah. of, and and I don't know if it's just Giffen being added in here or if Levitz is making an right. effort to say, hey, you know, these really need to look like aliens from, you know, we're dealing with aliens from across the quote unquote galaxy. And right. so not everybody needs to be a human. So make that guy a can opener, make that guy a talking parrot, and let's move <laughs> on with the story. So eventually, exactly. so eventually, uh, Cam defeats first speaker, and so second speaker, I guess, becomes first speaker. But uh, they are allowed to get off the planet thanks to the help of some of uh, the the Legion of Superheroes who show up to to help out. I think first speaker says, "I am first speaker," and second speaker says, "You are first speaker." Yes, or maybe I'm thinking of first person and second person. Yes. Nonetheless, yeah, Cam yes. gets to to go back home. Yeah, and even RJ goes with him. And so we yeah. think that all their issues have been resolved, question mark, maybe not. They kind of have, but it is sweet, you know, to see RJ tearing up at the thought that his his boy might die. And when they get to the power machine, Cam's like, great, Dad, we can get our powers back and we can go off and have adventures. And RJ's like, nope, don't want powers. Yeah, he goes, I'm, I'm happy in this body. I've I've been in this body for so long that I'm used to it. And anything else would would seem strange to him. Plus, I just want to spend my money and be fat and happy. And it's like, okay. And by God, I'm like, yes, sir. I'm with you. (laughs) We're just going to sit and sit on a pile of money and get fatter and fatter and fatter. So there's a maybe we'll 50th century Twitter. Yes. Uh, So there are some other things that are going on in this issue that I find interesting. Uh, First Mm -hmm. of all, uh, the teams are being scattered all across uh, the place so that Mm -hmm. they can go on different missions and we also get introduced to another, um, and I didn't write her name down. Uh, Gigi. Gigi. Gigi Kisimano. Yeah, from the Science Police. She's the roommate of Siobhan Aaron. And mm-hmm. um, 
you know, they're in there talking to um, uh, Jan. And mm-hmm. then, of course, Sunboy walks in and has to be a complete cat. He's like, well, hello, hello ladies. ladies. Yeah. Gigi does recur and Sunboy's interest in her recurs as well. So. I'm, I'm sure it's uh, she's a single female and he's in the room. So, of course, now, now of now. course. Uh, but here's the here's the thing that's really interesting. So um, Gigi and Sunboy go off uh, to get a tour or something. And then uh, Jan and uh, Siobhan are kind of left alone. And there's an implication that she's trying to hit on him a little bit. And mm-hmm. he totally just is like, he's not oblivious, mm-hmm. but he is right. making a very definite. I'm not interested kind of play towards her. He's he's definitely deflecting. Yeah, right. Which for those of you who haven't figured it out by now, Jan is gay. Yeah. I think that this and, I think that this panel in this issue is if anybody had any question about it, this is the point where you're like, oh, no, Jan is gay, which in 1983 yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. But and the uh, fanon, the fans have been saying that Jan is gay yes, since the I was early say, 70s. So, yes. So know? this goes back even further because uh, fans had been questioning uh, right. Jan's sexual orientation since I want to say uh, since he first appeared. Uh, and because he never had any real interest in uh, teaming up with any, you know, uh, I say teaming up, hooking up with any of the other girls. There was, I was reading a, a, an article where apparently this was brought up at a comic book convention in 1976 uh, some, during mm-hmm. a panel discussion where one of the uh, audience members asked if Jan was gay. And DC just totally avoided it, moved on to another question and right. uh, played it off. And it wasn't until Levitt started to come on board that we start to see jan's uh sexual uh orientation start to become more to the forefront not yeah. that at the again not not to, in 1983 they haven't said that jan is gay we're gonna wait another couple of years before uh dc is is uh uh brave enough i guess brave is the the word that we would <laughs> use to come out and yeah. say this and it's going to be even a few more years before we find out what really is going on with, uh, with Siobhan Siobhan. Karen. yeah, because that one's also very interesting. And I don't yeah. know if, and when we can have that conversation when we get there, I don't know sure. if that was something that was decided upon retroactively, or if that was decided from the very first moment that Siobhan entered the scene. But I uh, want, I want to say, and um, again, I believe uh, when I, I'm, I'm like 80% certain that that reveal is a Giffen or at least a Giffen co-written reveal. It's not as far off as you might think. We'll probably get to that. Well, you know, I know it's in the, well, that's what so. I'm saying. I think it's a five year later story when, when that yeah. comes out. Uh, so. It's going to be somewhere in the thirties, um, probably Legion volume four, number 30 or 31. Yeah. So we're, like we're coming up on, we're coming up on it, but it, yep. you know, is it one of those things that, Oh, uh, yes, let's do this. And in hindsight, it will make all sense. Or, hey, here's Siobhan Aaron. Uh, we already know Element Lads is gay. So we're going to introduce this character. And then we're also going to reveal this at a later time uh, when yeah. it's when it's uh, appropriate, because I think that really, really changes their dynamic quite a bit and yeah. makes it make sense and still makes it kind of work out in the end. Uh, for everybody who's a who's an Aaron Element Lad uh, shipper, uh, I mean, it yeah. still kind of works. Well, I mean, it doesn't really work out in the end. Spoiler alert! Uh, right. But, uh, but yeah, 
Uh, the whole so, universe dies about 12 minutes later. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like they, they didn't make a go of it. Right. But. Right. Also, um, also in this issue, if you haven't figured out that, uh, Brainiac five is asexual or at least, uh, what is it? Uh, Demi, demisexual. demisexual. Well, yeah, there's a different, there's a different, uh, specific word, uh, for it, but, uh, let me see if I can find it. Cause I did write it down. Uh, yeah, no, it's demisexual is, is, I guess what I wrote down. I thought there was something else in there, uh, where he's more than willing to take on a romantic interest with Supergirl. But the first thing he had to do was have a, you know, a mental right. or, um, a social, an emotional, emotional connection to her before he has any kind of a sexual connection because Supergirl sure. is still sta- sticking around in, in this issue. And we start to see a little bit more interaction between those two and him, being a little weirded and maybe taken aback by the fact that that Supergirl is maybe I don't want to say she's hitting on him, but she is trying to be a little closer she's, than he's maybe willing to be at at this moment. She has always been into Brainiac, though, even if you go back to Brainiac's very first appearance. Mm mm-hmm is a story where Supergirl is joining the Legion or wanting to join the Legion. And uh, something happens. I think Red Kryptonite makes her an adult and she can't join, but Brainiac can. Yeah. And at that point, you know, she had a romantic interest in Brainiac and he showed a little bit of, you know, a little bit of back and forth with her. But I can't remember there ever being another romance for Brainy in the, at this point, 20, 25 years in between. So no, no, I think, yeah, it may be one of those, you know, kind of a, it's well, he's definitely, I would say on the asexual spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I, it may be one of those sort of a single target sexuality thing where if it's Supergirl, he's interested. Yes. He's super sexual. He's only interested in uh supergirl <laughs> supergirl yes right. and that's the only one uh which maybe is fine i mean there's nothing the one who broke the rules to no. let her join the legion because maybe. she doesn't have a unique power to right. her cousin right uh, except that she's a she's a woman right um that's true i mean female i don't know if you female <laughs> the female you know body it, it, is it a separate superpower yeah, i'm not going to opine yeah no so what i the reason why i'm bringing this up and, and everybody's sexual orientation is perfectly fine i'm i don't uh, to me, it sure, doesn't bother sure. me what your sexual orientation is. Uh, I, you know, if you're happy, I'm happy. And as long as you're engaging in stuff that everyone else is consensual and it's not uh, predatory or abusive in nature, I'm totally fine with it. Uh, what yeah. the reason why I wanted to bring it up now is because I think that this issue really puts those two characters, Element Lad and uh, Brainiac Five, kind of in just one panel each, makes it very apparent that they are not what we would typically consider uh heterosexual uh right. orientations and and, so, and then on top of that the fact that it is 1983 and the fact that we are already going through uh, a lot of stuff in america at that time with aids epidemic uh is starting mm-hmm. to be a big thing uh there is a bigger push for gay rights uh and we're seeing uh i don't remember what year stonewall was uh i know it's probably like four or five years before this i want to say um but, uh, you know, we have a lot of that. Oh, I'm sorry. 69. So I'm way off. I thought it was yeah, seven, been... for some reason. I thought it was 79. Um, yeah. so, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of that kind of get moved into this idea that, and which I like about the Legion of superheroes is that if they are going to be all inclusive, it shouldn't just matter whether you're a boy or a girl or whether you've got a green skin or white skin or orange skin, 
uh, but also all sexual orientations are welcome as well. And I think that even though DC is not willing to step forward and say, hey, we've got some gay characters here uh, or people that uh, are ace, um, mm-hmm. at least it's there for those who are in the know, I guess I want to say. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of cool. It's subtextual, but it's a more obvious subtext than, you know, a lot of Bronze Age comics. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing. I feel like they talk about moving that Overton window of as you have these things come in and as more and more references come to it, it becomes more and more normalized, which then moves, you know, that normal. I feel like this is something where, no, Levitz either isn't going to or can't yet come out and say, I'm, you know, we're writing this character as a gay man, but they can definitely make it part of the story and they can make it there for the people that want to pick it up. And I feel like on the one hand, it is kind of frustrating that it is all subtext, but it's also one of those things where if it was textual, I mean, even, you know, in the year 2022, we're 40 years down the line from this issue and we still have people going, well, what's the reason that this character, I need a story related reason for this character to even exist. I'm like, shut up. How about that? There's your reason. Shut up. uh, I just did a really quick search. And so I I wonder, we know that, that, that Jan is gay, but Mm -hmm. he is, and I guess it, we have to wait until he comes out before we can retroactively say he's a, you know, one of DC's first gay characters because uh, Wikipedia still listen, lists Extraño as uh, DC's first character in uh, gay character in 1988. So I wonder Extraño if that... is the first openly gay character, and I think that that's part of it. You know, uh, okay. If 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 we, it, okay, let's assume that we're going to treat these as real people. Right. If we take these characters at their word until Jan comes out and says in 1991, I think, comes out and says, no, uh, I'm, I'm actually gay, Siobhan. When he says that, I think at that point, you've officially had that moment of, OK, Jan, Jan said it. He has come out. You know, you, you can now say Jan is a gay character. And I feel like Jan's. You know, if, if again, you're treating as a real people, but anybody's point where they say, this is, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. That's the point where you go, okay, before that, it feels almost creepy to like, kind of speculate or, you know, you know, try and say, Hey, what if, but yeah, I would definitely say that Jan's influence on Extraño is there, but Mm -hmm. it's also vice versa because once, you know, once um gosh what is his name diego uh once extraño shows up and once they have this character who is admittedly gay um mm-hmm. very flamboyant you know very camp gay very over the top oh, in yeah, a lot yeah. of ways but mm-hmm. you know just kind of a character who is absolutely yes this is i am i am a gay character that i think is the point where it's not but two years later before you know giffen writes the story where jan is like yes I'm gay. So mm. I kind of feel like it's, it's, One it's that moment other. of, yeah. Yeah. That window has moved and people are like, well, isn't element lad also somebody that, you know, seems to that we think is gay. And at that point they're like, we're going to write this story because Hey, Tasmanian devil is out and extraño is out. And you've got the characters who 
said these things and nobody burst into flame. So DC, you know, editorial yeah. can go like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah and, it's, and it's so that goes back into that, that, but yeah, that goes back into, was that the intention when the character was created or was right. that something that was just like, Oh, people keep assuming this, you know, 10 years down the line. So we're going to say that, yes, retroactively, you were all correct. It, that's the part where it's, again, we're dealing with fictional characters. So it's not right. a, uh, I was born this way or I didn't realize this until this moment or whatever uh, right. kind of situations. But I, I still think that it's it's really kind of cool that, you know, a future comic is, is subtly letting people who are who are aware know that, yes, these characters exist. And mm-hmm. in a sense, we recognize you as well, uh, meaning the reader uh, who fall on the LGBTQAI spectrum. Uh, right. Uh, and I think that's cool. I, that's that's all the reason why I wanted to talk about that. And I know a lot of people get very upset about these kind of topics. But, I mean, come on. It is the year 2022. And yeah. we should all be a little bit better than that. But uh, there we go. The only other thing that happened in this issue is uh, Karate Kid and Princess Projector are, are getting married. I thought they already that's were. Right. But whatever. No. He had to fight to for his right to party. No. He had to fight to win her hand. And then they had the the engagement announcement. And Voxiv was killed. And so what you're probably thinking of is the point where Projectra became the queen. Yeah. Five or six issues ago. And now we're going to have, I think, in a couple of issues. Uh, Legion Annual number two is a big. Uh, big wedding. Gosh, issue. Is that yeah. Big wedding. issue. I'm trying to remember. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't uh, remember. Let's Boy, I hope see. I didn't skip it. I didn't skip. No, it. no, no. Because no. this is. It's going to be again, in episode the- 133. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. W- whatever gods there be. So we'll get to that <laughs> a couple episodes from now. So just hang tight. DC Comics presents number 59, Ambush Bug 2, or just when you thought it was safe to read DC Comics Presents again. Published July 1983. Written by Keith Giffen and Paul Levitz, with art by Keith Giffen and Kurt Schaffenberger. Synopsis. Behold. The Ambush Bug! Uh, okay, so piggybacking off of a very in-depth, uh, just go-see-your-therapist uh, kind of issue, <laughs> uh, we get into an Ambush Bug issue in DC Comics Presents number 59. Ash. And it's like, okay, okay well, I'm, how I'm does say this. how does this tie into Legion of Superheroes? Well, it's because we get the Legion of Substitute Heroes in this one. That's right. DC Comics Presents uh, was basically a counterpart to Batman in Batman Brave and the Bold. Right. But instead of teaming up with Batman, everyone in DCP, uh, or as I like to call it, DC Comics Presents, um, would team up with Superman. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, previously there was a doom patrol story that had a throwaway villain called the ambush bug and ambush bug was crazy, but he was, he was like, I shouldn't say that ambush bug was definitely mentally ill, but he was mentally ill in that first appearance in a way that was kind of, yeah, but no, you're, if you're saying doom patrol, that's not his first appearance. His actual first appearance was in DC comics presents number 52 from December of 1982. Yeah. Oh, Superman and the doom patrol. Okay. I thought you said it was a doom patrol issue. But a Doom Patrol crossover issue of this. Uh, comic, okay, okay, I okay. Say. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the character was so uh, the audiences liked him so much 
that Julia <laughs> Schwartz was ju- just like, Giffen, get another story out as quickly as you can. So this is back. really the only second appearance of Ambush yeah. Bug before he would go on to be kind of a recurring character. I say recurring, I mean like maybe once every four years kind of recurring character he, in the Superman comics. He was a big deal in 82. Ambush Bug was the new hotness for a very brief time right before the crisis on infinite earths and that first ambush bug limited series just flew off the stands and the thing i think that probably shot it in the foot was ambush bug and his you know ascension to fame came at the same time that keith giffen got obsessed with the art of jose muñoz Mm. and changed his entire art style, which is not too far off. So get ready, Legion fans. You're going to hear us going, woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, so no, so uh, Ambush Bug. I know Ambush Bug. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know Ambush Bug. Most mm-hmm. of our listeners, I assume, know Ambush Bug. Mm-hmm. Uh, save for an appearance on Batman Brave and the Bold, where he mm-hmm. was played by Henry Winkler, bra- uh, you know, brilliantly. Right. If Are modern Ambush, people going to know? <laughs> does, does the modern does the modern comic book reader or even casual fan know who Ambush Bug is? Or if Ambush Bug suddenly popped up in an upcoming uh oh, I don't know, new person in charge of of the DC uh film studios uh suddenly decided, hey, I'm gonna put Ambush Bug in an upcoming uh movie. How many people would just say, oh, ambush bug. That's he's just ripping off Deadpool. A lot of people uh, would say that because the bug was Deadpool before Deadpool was Deadpool. Right, 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 right. I mean, I know that you know that, but I think that a lot of people would look at that and go, oh, this is just a Deadpool ripoff. Why can't DC ever do anything original? It's like, uh, hey, man, uh, have have you ever have you ever looked at uh, timelines and and looked and seen when Deadpool came out? I think. I think Rob Liefeld was probably just a, uh, a, 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 well, teenager at this point. Um, Rob Liefeld was busy ripping off Deathstroke. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Wait, no. <laughs> but but Rob that, Liefeld, even, I think, is our age. So yeah, yeah. No, he's. A, I think he's a year. I want to say he's a year younger than we are. I have to. Oh, I have to God. double check. Please tell me you're kidding. Let me let me look really quick because I, mean, I was really surprised. I, I was really surprised the other day. No, no, he's two years old. He's fifty five. He was born okay. in 67. For some reason, I thought that he, there's somebody that I thought was at image. How old, mm-hmm. how old is Jim Lee? Jim Lee's got to be. Cause Jim there's somebody Lee. at image who is younger than we are. He's 58. Oh. So he's, 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 he's older too. Well, how old is Todd McFarlane? Mark Silvestri. Uh, McFarlane at, is definitely older than us. Okay. So let's look at Mark Silvestri. <laughs> and so everybody who's listening is like, well, wait a minute. How old are you guys? Well, we're old enough to know that ambush bug came out before no right. he's 64 oh holy moly yeah wow he is old okay uh, so who were the other let's see there were seven there was wills, uh, Petro- wills portorcio portaccio portaccio and um, and uh jim valentino yeah and jim valentino is way older than than us so i i guess i'm i, I for some reason i thought rob liefeld was a year younger than we are. So anyway, it doesn't really make yeah. uh, any difference going back to who ripped off who uh, at the same time, <laughs> we can go back and look at ambush bug and Giffen and uh, Levitz do not pull any mm-hmm. punches in this issue to let you yeah. know that this is a Looney Tunes episode and ambush and bug is no, it is. It's very good, but it's also very uh, important to know that Giffen was like, I want to make ambush bug the evil version of bugs bunny. And 
Bugs Bunny's already pretty chaotic evil uh, (laughs) as far as as characters go. Uh, So to make Ambush Bug an evil version of Bugs Bunny, I find very hilarious. It, It kind of is. And this is also very important because this is the moment you can hear it. You can hear it happen. This is the point where the Legion of Substitute Heroes is no longer taken seriously for the better part of a decade. Well, I would say even today, Porcupine Pete, the uh, the the impact of this story. I mean, they were always silly, but the impact of the story took them from, you know, Polder Boy was a a plucky outsider who wasn't quite good enough and, you know, built his own thing until now. From this point forward, they're goobers. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, and, and you don't have to look any further than the recurring uh, where's uh, and I forget who's trying to get Stone Boy out of the ground, but um, chlorophyll kid in fire lab. Yes. And it's just like, how are we going to pull him out? And it's just uh, we it's could use so a crane. Now we rip his head off. It, I mean, it's so <laughs> funny. And, and really, this issue is there's not really a story except that Superman and the Legion of Substitute Heroes have to capture ambush bug uh, to bring him back to the present. And also right. to prevent uh, Ambush Bug from discovering Superman's secret identity, which there's a beautiful <laughs> moment where Ambush Bug smashes into a Clark Kent Superman bust. And yes. he just is too busy, too preoccupied uh, fighting the Legion of Substitute Heroes and Superman to notice it. And it's just like, oh, this is perfect. Yes, he's he's not there. He, <laughs> and that's the best part is he's so hiker focused on just annoying Superman that he misses these really important things. And that's actually how they defeat him. He misses the fact that the phantom zone projector right. is behind a, a wall with a button that says, do not push. Yeah. In English, by and the he's way, like, he's like, mm, I'm going to push it. If I do, I get in trouble. <laughs> I do. I do it. Yeah. Oh, I'm but it is, <laughs> it is. I mean, honestly, this is the first time I read ambush bug. This is one of my favorite comics of all time. Even though I don't like what it does to the Legion of Subs, even though oh, it's no, it filled really... with interlac that makes it hard to read. And I'm like, I used to be able to read interlac. Now I can't. But it's just it's one of those issues that changes everything. I mean, it comes in and just goes whoop, 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 whoop. And all yeah, of a sudden, is... ambush bug is a thing. And the Legion is a completely different thing. Just ugh, well, beautiful. so if you've got to tell a story with in the future with the legion of superheroes and instead you're substituting the substitutes i think that's a good idea because if you had taken the legion and replaced them in these parts so you have mm-hmm. wildfire instead of uh flame boy uh right you know doing that kind of stuff it really i think would have made a lot of fans angry in the yes. way that the legion would have been treated with disrespect when it's the substitutes and you've already got porcupine pete and you've already got stone boy and I don't forget infectious last and infectious last because porcupine Pete and infectious last are going on a date with one another. Sure. Um, I, I think it is great. And I, I'd have to go back and, and read some of the future letters columns, but I do not think that, I think it's very accepted to throw the, the substitutes under the bus and make them mm-hmm. a joke. And it also introduces the Legion of substitute heroes auxiliary. Yes. Those heroes who are not yet ready was it Ringo? For, what was the? Who was it? Uh, uh, Antenne Lad uh, from like Adventure Comics three hundred five. Yeah, a double header from Adventure yes. three twenty three. Neither of whom who have have appeared since like nineteen sixty four. Right. And 
Color Kid is oh, an yeah, official yeah. Uh, sub. Oh, yeah. he is at this point. I thought he was one yeah. of the ones in training that they were still training him up to be a, a substitute member. Oh, maybe he is. Now that I see this, it looks like Color Kid. I'm trying to remember if Color Kid has been a sub before this. I don't know. In any case, Color Kid attacks him with the full force of his powers and Ambush Bug goes, ooh, Technicolor. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a it is a feels like a mad magazine, right? Where it's just a series of comical vignettes strung together with a very loose story. And so if you want some, if you like some Warner Brothers slapstick stuff and you want to see what happens that doesn't involve Batmite, then DC presents (laughs) number 59, I think, gives you that wacky Looney Tunes stuff inside of DC Mm -hmm. Comics. Uh, the only other thing that I would suggest is there was a couple of years ago, uh, mm-hmm. DC did a Looney Tunes DC crossover thing, even though they're all owned oh, by the same God. company where oh, you God. had like, um, uh, Tasmanian Road devil and the flash. Yeah. Roadrunner <laughs> and the flash. And I forget who Tasmania did, but there was a great, Lobo. oh yes. Uh, there was a great Elmer Fudd Batman story that to this day, <laughs> Still, still strikes in my mind, this whole kind of Sin City vibe going on with that issue. And so this kind of, this, this issue feels like that. So if you, if you want to see some slapsticky stuff and Superman still being the straight man in all of this, then this is a really good comic to read. The other thing that should be pointed out is that they intentionally drew Superman in the style of his first appearances uh, by uh, Schuster, uh, Simon Joe Schuster. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that that is Kurt Schaffenberger who handles the inks on this, but uh, they, Giffen, think... yeah, yeah, Giffen does breakdowns. And then Kurt Schaffenberger, who is a, a classic uh, old school artist at DC, uh, drew Superboy, Supergirl for a while. I think he was drawing um, Superman family, but yeah, Schaffenberger intentionally does some really, really wonderful uh joe schuster riffs there's a sequence where superman is literally leaping across the skyline like a schuster drawing mm-hmm. and i'm like i, I haven't seen said, that in years. i'd have to go back and look at the first pages i thought somewhere they said that this is uh superman is being drawn in the style of his first appearance you know because he's got uh, the dedicated to premier superman artist joe schuster is yeah. on the, the splash page yeah so that's why i thought that that's why they were intentionally drawing it to look like that the only mm-hmm. thing that's missing would have been a black shield would have been nice to put in there um, yeah. as, as that final kind of, uh, you know, touch in that. But this is, this is silly. It's goofy. I laughed at some of it. I rolled it's my eyes. Awesome. It is definitely 1983 humor aimed at 10 year olds. <laughs> this is a great comic. Yeah. This is a wonderful comic. And honestly, you know, there are some books that you look at it and you go, this is something that I love because it came out when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not true here. I was 13 and a half. But more importantly, there no, are some been 12 and a half you, in, in July of 83. Don't let people know that. <laughs> then they'll be like, you're undermining my whole point. But here's the thing. This it this launched a very short lived, sadly but huge comic book phenomenon at a point where that kind of didn't happen. And, you know, you today we talk about going viral Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Ambush bug is one of those rare moments where a comic character kind of went viral. People went nuts. He got his own miniseries. He got a slot in action comics 
Mm -hmm. So he appeared like every other issue of action comics somewhere around the five eighties. And it was a big deal. And then it kind of all came to a crashing halt. But you know, I, he was, he was in the suicide squad for a second, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He was in the doom patrol. You know, thumbs up, thumbs up. Uh, It's, it's, it's something to go chase down. And I know that there is an electronic version that you can get. Uh, through the Comixology app, and uh, you can go check it out for yourself. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Matthew, what did we learn this week? We learned that you don't go back to Derla because uh, Derla is a Gefichtenstreib machine. I think you also learned this week that you got to zap all the bugs. That's right. And more importantly... If Supergirl shows up, does it make a sound? Thank you so much, everybody, for checking us out this week. We certainly appreciate everything that you do for us. Thank you to everybody who comments on the show. Thank you, everybody, who rates us over on uh, Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everyone who is one of our patrons. Without you, we wouldn't be able to do this show. So until next time, that's all, folks. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.